So glad that you're here. Amen. There's great joy in the house of the Lord. We do have it good. Today I'm going to kind of share, this is just kind of one of my favorite life messages that there is, and it kind of dovetails with some things that we've been talking about. And um, What I'm going to share today is really um, how you handle what I'm about to talk about a lot of times will determine whether um, we succeed or whether we don't in certain areas of our life. How many of us, when we, if I were to ask you this question, would say, Pastor, I would really like change in my life? Amen? It's the one thing to want change, but then to actually start making some of these changes is a whole different thing. How many of us, when we hear something and we think, man, I really want to do that. I mean, I really want to do it. But then when it comes down to actually applying yourself or doing it, you're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Huh? We hear good things, you know. Uh, I love the analogy of the gym, you know. You, I, 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 the, the guys from the Mac, I've, I've been at that club for well over 30 plus years. And there are some people in that club today who look exactly the same way today as they did 30 years ago. They come in, they put on the clothes, they walk upstairs, they shake a few hands, they walk over to a machine, they look at the machine, then they walk back downstairs and they go into the stana or the steam room, put their clothes on and walk, and they feel like they have fulfilled their obligation for the day. And that's great if that's your goal. But uh, if you really want change, then we have to really examine what is going on in our hearts right now. Amen? I want us to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. And this is something that I... I kind of hinted at and talked a little bit about a few weeks ago, but I want to read it to you out of the Amplified this morning. And I want to, I'll set this up. You know, Paul is, <clears throat> excuse me, writing a letter to the Corinthian church, and the Corinthian church was a church where the people primarily had come out of, believe it or not, prostitution. That's what the city of Corinth was known for. What a great place to start a church, huh? Huh? What are talking about a target rich environment? And so he is dealing with people that have lived off of the flesh and even did it religiously for their whole lives, generation after generation. And so Paul comes in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He comes in with something that really has the ability to bring true change into our lives. Does everybody understand that that's what the gospel does? The gospel doesn't come to just make you a better person. The gospel doesn't come just to take what you have and then he adds to it. No, no. The gospel comes for transformation in our lives. Each and every one of us that have been born again, our lives should look drastically different than it did when we first got saved. If it didn't, we're doing it wrong. Our lives should be constantly, we should be constantly being changed from glory to glory. The Bible says in Ephesians that our inward man, and in Corinthians, that our Bible, is the inward man is being renewed day by day. Every day when we spend time in the Word, every day when we spend more time in His presence, every day when I'm spending time in prayer and in that Word, my inward man is becoming stronger and bigger and fitter, and I, my faith is being built, and I'm becoming more, I'm ready for the day. Amen? I'm more apt. But if I am not paying any attention 
to what else I'm putting into my heart, let me give you a horrible statistic, okay? And I, I, I need to research this. Somebody said that only 8% of people, of Christians, read their Bible more than once a week. 8% of Christians read their Bible less than, only 8% read their Bible more than once a week. There's no way you're ever going to have a victorious life reading the Bible once a week, spending time with God once a week. Amen? We got to keep that inner man going. We got to keep him renewed. So Paul is trying to talk to this church, but this church, these people, they think that when Paul's bringing the gospel that he's trying to restrain them, that he's trying to hold them back, that he's trying to take away all of their fun. And Paul makes this statement. He says, there is no lack of room for you in our hearts, but you lack room in your own affections for us. What Paul was basically saying is, is look, I've come to you open hearted. I've come to you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've come with you with the most precious thing. But because your heart is so filled with your own emotions and your own affections, you can't receive it. And you're even looking at it like we're trying to control you. It's not my heart that's the problem. It's your heart. You have no room in your heart for us. And I would dare to say that for a big part of the American church, our hearts are filled with our own affections, our own emotions. Say this, it's, it's all, about all about me. That is the slogan of the soul. Amen. It's all about me. It's all about self-preservation. What can I do? Well, actually, what can you do for me to make my life better? That is the motto in America today. But I want to share with you just a little bit, you know, one of the first revelations that I got was out of Proverbs chapter 4, where the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And all that simply means is, is that whatever you're allowing through your eyes, whatever you're looking at, whatever you're hearing, and whatever you're saying, that is going directly into your soul. That's like me saying, I'm going to listen to nothing but country music for 10 days. For 10 years, I'm going to listen to country music over and over and over. I'm going to listen to country music in the morning, in the night, in the evening. I'm going to listen to it. But then when, when I hit play, I'm going to hope that classical music comes out. It doesn't make any sense, does it? See, we as a Christian sometimes will fool ourselves and think, I can watch what I want, I can listen to what I want, I can say, to, I can, I can say whatever I want, and when the time comes, but when I really need it, then Jesus is going to be there, and that's what's going to come out of us. See, we have this thing called a soul. Everybody knows you're a three-part being? You are a spirit. Amen? You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in this body. You are an eternal being. Your spirit will live forever. That's good news for most of us, because we know where we're going to live. But this soul area, this is where we live in the earth. Our mind, our will, our affections. It's what we put in our heart on a regular basis. Before I was saved, I put everything in my heart you could imagine, and it all had to do with my flesh. 
Whatever the five physical senses wanted or needed at that time, that's what I put in. I did not watch good movies. I did not listen to good music, and I did not have a good confession. Therefore, my life mirrored those three things. Right now, your life is mirroring what you're watching, what you're listening to, and what you're saying. You cannot watch whatever you want to watch, listen to whatever you want to listen to, and say whatever you say, and not have that frame your world on a regular basis. And that is the problem that we deal with. That's what happened. Does everybody know I went to Peru? Did you know that? I went to Peru. And when I went to Peru, I went through so much tribulation and I went so much. But that's what it took to get all of the junk out of my heart that I've been holding on to for years. I finally got to a place where none of that stuff mattered anymore, and the only thing that mattered was survival (laughs) and getting home to a Big Mac as fast as I could. No, the food was amazing in Peru. I will thank you. Thank you, Lord. I want to just thank you for that, that the food was amazing, because that would have been more just, uh. When I, when, I, when I talk about this, a lot of times we just talk about the negative things that we put into our system. Like, can, we'll, we'll, let's just use common sense, okay? It, if we're watching pornography on a regular basis, we know that's wrong, correct? Amen? If I'm out drinking on a regular basis, we know that that can be a problem. If I'm lying on a regular basis, if I'm filling my heart with music that doesn't edify or glorify God but degrades women... We know that if I'm feeling, we know that those, we know what's wrong, correct? But how about this? Probably the single most dangerous thing that you and I deal with of putting in our hearts is worry, anxiety, depression, and those things will take up just as much room as all of those super negative things that we would never even dare to do. But how many of us today would say, Pastor Jack, I need to be honest. When that young lady, when my sister got up and the first thing that she started speaking against was depression, folks, we as believers should not be depressed. We should not be depressed. We have the joy of the Lord. We have an earnest expectation. I'm engaged. Amen. And he's joyful about it and I'm joyful about it. I have a part of his spirit that he's given to me. I have a hope. I have a joy. I'm not all alone. I'm not alone. He's with me. You know, Michelle's mom went on to be with the Lord and it was very, very hard. But as I was praying and getting ready for the service, God showed me through the whole process that he never broke communion with her. That's the heritage, that's the joy of being a believer, ladies and gentlemen, that God will never leave you alone. There's nothing that you can do to separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that you've done, there's nothing that you've said. There's no place of isolation that you can go to. He'll be there with you. He'll never break communion with you. Amen? But when I am, my heart, I mean, let's be real transparent this morning. How many of us could honestly say that I know I worry way too much? Ding. I'm anxious about things. Right? Those 
worries, those distresses, those things, they take up space in our heart. And when the word is preached, sometimes there's no room in our hearts for that word because it's filled with so many other things that it can't get in there. And so what we have to learn how to do on a regular basis is pour out our hearts. That's what this morning was really all about. I think that's what worship was really all about. It was an opportunity for us to put things back in order in our hearts and in our lives. Because when we came in this morning, that number one thing that you were thinking about, that was the thing that was sitting on the throne of your heart. Whatever you were worried about, whatever you were fearful of, and whatever you were anxious of, that's what you came in here thinking about. But when we got into worship, all of a sudden, all of that just went away. And it was Christ seated on a throne, and we were all focused. Do you know why they had great joy in the city? Do you know why they had miracles? Do you know why they had all these things happening? Because they were in one accord. I would dare to say that we don't all believe the same thing in this room this morning. That we all have different teachings, different thinkings, different thoughts about God and Bible and, and how they should all work. But that early church, they spent time together in that upper room. They worked through all of their issues, all of their diversity. They worked through all of the things that was going to hold back any type of a move of God. And they decided that whatever those things were, they were not big enough to stop what God wanted to do. Oh, if we could get there today. Oh, if we could decide that our petty little doctrinal things don't mean anything in the light of eternity. That if we put Jesus first place, like if we hungered and thirsted after God, that God would show up in this place. The early church, the very first thing that they did is they followed the apostles' doctrine. The very first sign that these people had become born again is they wanted to hear the word and they wanted to be somewhere where the word was being preached. And I would dare say most people don't even want to go to church anymore. Because why? A, if we were having miracles and signs and wonders, do you think every church, every seat would be full? Those are dinner bells to the unbeliever. When we were in Peru and we would lay hands on people, when I saw my daughter lay hands on a lady in the middle of a market in Inca, Peru, and the power of God reverberate through that woman and she got healed, a crowd will gather. Amen. When blind eyes are open and deaf ears are open and the gifts of healing are in operation, all of a sudden people are going to go, okay, that's real. Because God is actually doing what he said that he wants to do. So what do we put in our hearts? You know, the Bible says that the things that you can see are temporary. But the unseen things, they are eternal. So pastor, what should my diet be into my soul? It should be faith, hope, and love. You have my permission to go to any buffet that serves those things and eat as much as you possibly can on a regular basis. Faith, hope, and love. If you will focus on those three things, getting those things into your soul, energizing your things. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? You do it through the Word of God. If you don't know what love is, you need to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 out of the Amplified Bible. It gives you a very clear description of God's kind of love. It tells you exactly what it is and exactly what it isn't. 
If you need faith, guess what? Go to the Word of God. How many people are believing for something right now? How many of you are believing God for a lost loved one or for a spouse? Maybe you're believing God for a home. Maybe you're believing God for healing. Guess what? There are scriptures in the Bible. It is God's will for you to be healthy and healed. You don't have to wait to heaven. He wants to heal you now. Isaiah 53, by his stripes ye were healed. Now here's the hard one. God wants you to prosper. But the minute I say prosper, you think money. Money can be a part of it, but I'm not to desire to get rich. I'm to desire him. I'm not to make my pursuits all about money. I would say that most of us, especially men, we're pursuing the wrong things. If we would pursue God instead of money, our lives would be so much better. I think it's very admirable for a man to work multiple jobs for his family, to provide for his family, but I sometimes think that that husband just doesn't want to go home. Nobody look next to you. Nobody. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. And men, sometimes we hide ourselves and we clothe ourselves as this provider of our family. And Jesus says, I want to be your provider. And Jesus said, I can have you working half the time and at home with your family. Men, your family needs you right now more than ever. They need a strong male figure that is both a, a, a king and a priest. They need to see a mother and father that are praying together on a regular basis. They need to see a, a, a mother and father who put God first in every area of their life. They don't just say a quick prayer on the way out the door. No, no, no. We're about to make a big decision. We need to discern whether Jesus is in the middle of this. They need to see a mother and father who aren't scared to cry with each other. So we have to guard our hearts with all diligence. We have to put an armed guard at our hearts to make sure that whatever I'm looking at, whatever I'm saying, and whatever I'm listening to doesn't get into my heart because your heart is the most fertile piece of ground on the, fa on the face of the earth. Whatever you put into your heart, it will grow. And there is nothing you can do to stop that. Whatever you're feeding on right now, that's what's growing in your heart. Whatever your priority is, whatever you're spending the most money on, whatever you're giving most of your time to, that is the God of your heart. That's what you're feeding. And we can fill our hearts, but what we say is, look, pastor, it's not like I'm not eating, I'm not eating bad food, but are you eating any good food? What are we filling ourselves with on a regular basis? Over and over. How many times have I, you, do you go to the gym and people say, I want to have this amazing body. I want to look like this. I want to do that, but I'm not going to eat what you tell me to eat, and I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I refuse. That exercise, it hurts. I don't want to be sore. Is there any way we could skip this? Is maybe there's a shot or a pill that I could take? There are. But, you know, you might glow in the dark in 10 years from now. I don't know. I'm talking to our young people today. The horror movies and the, and, the, and the things that we watch, we were never created to see some of the things that we've seen. We were not created for those things, and those things mark people today because they get locked into their soul, and they see that thing over and over and over. I'm just... 
serial killers, men that have been um, accused of some of the most heinous kidnappings and, and rapes and things like that in the world today, it all started with a very innocent, they thought, attraction to pornography. You can trace it all back. All of a sudden, they had a very, just a simple looking at this, and all of a sudden, this turned into that, and that turned into this, and next thing you know, you're acting things out, and boom, boom, boom. They thought that they could control it, but they don't realize is that it controls them. It controls them. When people say they heard a voice, they heard a voice. It was that thing that was controlling them. Well, how do you stop that? You don't let it in your heart to start with. Mothers and fathers, do not give your children unfettered access to the internet in their rooms. Let me say that again. Mothers and fathers, grandparents, do not give your children unfettered access in their rooms or where they can be alone. How many of you would you allow a woman to be in your son's room after 10 o'clock at night? We would say, never! I would never allow that to happen, yet it happens every single night. Because they're going places on that internet and they're seeing things that folks, you could not even begin to imagine some of the stuff that's out there today. And when that stuff gets in there, it has the ability to actually imprint their soul with it. It's acidic, it's like rust. This is gonna get better. So I wanna encourage us, amen? Guard your heart with all diligence. Maybe, you're not heart, maybe your heart is not filled with bad things, but if we're not filling it with godly things or with the right things, it's still having the same effect on us. When I get to the point where Jesus is first place in my life, where I'm spending time in prayer, in the word, in fellowship, in communion, when Michelle and I are praying together, when we're in right order, there's joy in the city. Amen? But when we get out of order, when we're filling ourselves with too many things, and trust me, we are the busiest nation on the face of the earth. Friday night, Luke had a football game in Fort Worth, so Emily and I jumped in the truck at 1.30. We drove to Fort Worth. We watched them play an amazing football game. They won. It was great. Then we got back in the car at 10 o'clock that night, and we drove all the way back to our home. Got home at 2.20, I was in bed at 2.30, I was up at 7 because I went to preach at Chaz's men's meeting yesterday morning. I preached at a men's meeting, went to lunch, came home, laid on the couch for five minutes, then we got up and went to a birthday party at my parents' house. I understand what it's like to be busy. I understand what it's like to fill our lives. And there are seasons where we have to be ready to do those things, but we can't live like that. We have got to set aside time. I am begging you, if you truly want change in your life, you need to set aside time every day to spend some time in the Word. That's why we read through the Bible together every year. How many of you are reading through the Bible with us? Amen. Every day I'm reading. Right now we're in Isaiah. Isaiah is great. We're in Ephesians. Ephesians is great. But every day I have my reading that I do. We should be reading. Listen to me. If you're not reading your Bible every day, let me tell you where to start. I want you to go to the New Testament, book of Matthew, and I'm going to make it very, very simple for you. Read one chapter a day. It won't take a lot of time. And when you do it, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you while you're doing it. 
He will talk to you through his word. How many of you would say, I wish God would talk to me? I wish God would speak to me. How many of us, that's our cry. He is speaking to us every day through this whole book. He's like, I've told you everything that you need to know. Just read it. How many of you would like a CD of Jesus' teaching? Jesus' teaching. How many of you would like to hear that? Would you like a CD of Jesus' teaching? That's great. Get something, record yourself reading the Bible, and then play it back. That is Jesus' teaching. I think sometimes we think if we actually got to him personally that he would say something different. He'd be like, nope. So I want to encourage us. Guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Let's look very quickly at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And this is out of the Amplified. And so faith, hope, and love abide. Faith is conviction and belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Hope is joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. And love is the true affection for God and man growing out of God's love for us and in us. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Then the next verse, 2 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your great quest, your aim and your great quest. Earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowment gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I think sometimes we're disappointed and we're unhappy because we're pursuing the wrong things. Have you ever pursued something and when you finally got it, you were like, eh? It's something that you really, really thought you wanted. It was something you really thought you wanted to do and you pursued it with all. Guys will do this with girls sometimes. They will see a girl and they will pursue her and pursue her and pursue her. And then when she finally says, yeah, he goes, eh. Because he really didn't like her, he liked the pursuit. I would say that each one of us, if we would pursue love first, if we would make it our great quest. Remember King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table? Remember what were they looking for? What was the great quest that they were looking for? I don't know. What was the quest? What were they looking for? The Holy Grail. Do you know what the Holy Grail is? It's love. Each and every one of us every day should put on the armor of God. We should mount our horse. We should walk out our door and we should be on that great quest looking for that Holy Grail for love. We should be pursuing it in everything that we do. We should be a carrier of his love. We should be an example of his love. We should be a testimony of his great love. How do you do that, pastor? Because look what he did for me. I was the lowest of the low, the least of the least. I was the black sheep of the family. I was the outcast. I was the one that was never going to amount to anything, was the least educated had the shortest fuse and the most vices. Look what God did for me. Look what he did for me. Look what his love did for me. God is so good. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So I just want to encourage you. On the physical and natural side, please watch what you're watching. Please watch what you're listening to. Please, please put a 
a guard on your mouth of the words that you're saying because those three things are defining who you are and where you're going. Amen. That is an undeniable truth. You cannot go right your whole life and think that you can go left when you're ready. You can't. You're stuck. You're trapped. I want to end on a happy note, and I'm trying to, maybe if I put a video of puppies or something up there real quick. But sometimes you need to let the word be heavy. Amen? It needs to be heavy. The biggest muscles you're ever going to grow are, are going to come through the heaviest weights you've ever lifted. Resistance training, that is, that is the Christian life. We are resisting constantly the things of the enemy, and we're growing stronger by the things of the earth and by the word. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand up. Thank you for those four hand claps and that one grunt. It was powerful. Now, thank you, Lord. Well, I don't ever like to end a service. If you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, well, Pastor, I've been to a church. I've gone places. I, you know, my, 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 my grandmother, she was a deacon on the deacon board. None of those things are the requirements to be born again. The book of Romans is really, really clear that if we confess with our mouth Jesus was Lord and believe that he was raised from the dead, the Bible says that you'll be saved. You're not joining a church. You're not joining a cult. You are basically surrendering the steering wheel to your heavenly father. He loves you so much. He won't force himself into your car or into your life. He'll wait for you to open the door. But when he comes inside, he brings all of who he is. All the joy, all the peace, all the life, all the good. And we just get rid of all the bad. And we start this wonderful walk called discipleship. And we become on a daily basis molded more and more into his image. We should be unrecognizable at the end of our life. We should look so much like him. Make him your pursuit. Make him the thing that you're going after on a regular basis. We had to either check ourselves. Lord, what am I pursuing? What, what is the most important thing to me? Listen to me. People will never make you happy. Hobbies will never make you happy. Trips will never make you happy. Pretty soon those things, they're temporary. They will all fade away. And all you're going to be left with is what's eternal. What's inside your heart. I know this is a terrible analogy, but... If Tom Brady and his supermodel wife can't stay together and they got all the money and all the looks, that should tell you what's important in a marriage. It's not all the money and it's not all the looks. It's not all the fame. All the Super Bowl trophies in the world did not keep that couple together. You can have all the stuff in the world, but if it's lacking love, if it's not centered in Christ, it's not going to last. I have a supermodel wife. I know what it's like to be married like that. It's amazing. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, just pray this with me this morning. Say, Dear Jesus, I want to know you. I open the door of my heart and I invite you in. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Heal me of all diseases. Deliver me from all addictions. But most importantly, be my best friend. I receive you, Jesus. Guide me to a good church. 
Give me a hunger for your word. Thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name. Woo! I love that prayer. Amen. If you've never prayed it before, come talk to us down here after church. If you're watching online, there's a, a website you can go to. We want to help you. This is something that this church is really, really good at, and that's discipleship. We have some of the best Bible teachers here. We want to disciple you. We have to be taught. No one gets big after one exercise. It's a lifetime. It's a lifestyle. Amen? Amen. Well, we love you. Pastors Michelle and I love you. If you have children back in the children's department, um, thank those teachers that are back there that are serving so that you can be in here. We don't have a paid staff that does that so that you can be here. But um, thank those child care workers who took care of your little darling this morning. Actually, just make sure you pick your kids up because sometimes that's an issue too. Uh, don't leave them here. We have a strict no child left behind policy here at West Houston Christian Center. Don't rush off. Hug a few necks. Fellowship for a few minutes. Get to know somebody and just know that Jesus is Lord. You're dismissed.